This is The Animal House on Dubai Today with Suzanne Radford. Brought to you by Royal Cannon. Yeah, good morning if you've just joined me. It's that time of the week where we take your questions on your pet's health, boarding and relocation needs. Yes, Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic is here. She's on hand to take your questions on 4001. And uh, Todd Carson, managing partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery, he's on his way, but he's actually stuck in that traffic we were talking about earlier. There's been a big accident on the Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Road and just by Global Village, Abu Dhabi bound. So do be careful if you're heading that way try and avoid that area but good morning to you dr lucinda good morning it's nice to be back it is we, we had, had a little break last we week did, didn't we? <laughs> yes with eid yes it's been uh, yeah it feels like we've had a nice relaxing time and then yeah. all systems go back <laughs> into things and uh, we're going to be catching up as always with you and what's happening at motor city in the uh, DKC Veterinary Clinic. Uh, I know you're always busy, even through the summer months, even though the roads may, well, I'm saying the roads are quiet, we've got this terrible accident yeah. that's just happened, but uh, you know, generally speaking, it feels like the city's quieter. Does it quieten down for you as a vet? Um, yes, it, 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 it certainly does. Um, it doesn't quieten down like it used to many years ago when everyone w- would leave. I think more people are here for longer periods of time. So we, we definitely have steady business, but it's not manically crazy like it can be when, you know, Dubai is at its full population level. So, um, and also obviously, you know, w- with the kennels and the cattery being full at this time of year, we also see quite a lot of uh, animals from that. Of so, course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kept out of mischief. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, if you're listening. Uh, and we uh, miss you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> So 4001 is that text number if you've got a question for Dr. Lucinda this morning when it comes to your pet's health. We've had one in already regarding a cat and uh, got a problem with their eye, so we'll be showing that in a moment. And of course, as always, we've got our mystery animal competition. Uh, Lucinda, Dr. Lucinda is going to be revealing three clues throughout the hour. And if you think you know what this animal is, text in on 4001. And this is to go into the draw to win a two-month supply of pet food, thanks to Royal Canin. And our focus today... We're going to be talking on topic regarding cat and dog breeds that may have a predisposition to certain illnesses or disease. Now, what are the popular breeds here in the UAE, Dr. Lucinda? Well, I'd like to start by saying, obviously, there's, uh, you know, crossbreeds are very popular here, too, because obviously there's a lot of rescuing going on. We have our local desert dog that everybody knows that is, in fact, a crossbreed you know, for want of a better word. But in terms of purebreds that that we seem to see a lot of here, um, interestingly, uh, never before in my veterinary career have I seen so many Cavalier King Charles Spaniels that they seem to be very popular here. And I must say they make wonderful family pets, so I think that's probably why they're popular. Um, Also, uh, people seem to like beagles as well as family pets. They're a little bit more manic and energetic than a cavalier, but they've very, got very good natures and are good with children, so I think that's why we see those too. Um, and then large dogs, people like Labradors and Golden Retrievers. And then, you know, little things like Pugs and Pekingeses, people seem to go for too. And then, obviously, depending on, you know, where you are, people bring their pets from home. So you do see the odd case of other more rare breeds. But I, I'd say uh, from, from a purebred way with dogs, I would say the breeds I've mentioned are the most common here. Um, Cat-wise, people love Persian cats in Dubai. Um, they also like uh, Oriental-type cats, so things like Siamese's or Burmese's or, you know, all those kind of Oriental pointed cats that are around. People go for those. Um, and then, of course, obviously our local Arabian Mao, which has got quite a strong Oriental background, we see all the time. So, yeah, those, those, I think those are pretty much the ones that I see most commonly. 
and mm. people uh, for the, whatever their reason may be like to have a you know purebred animal some people don't mind and are very happy to have what we call in england a mongrel what do you call them in south africa Africa, Africa. <laughs> Mongrels, yes, yes exactly. It's, it's a universal yeah, term. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of Afrikaans words that we use for, for dogs, um, but mongrel, I think, is, is the, the one, yeah. No, it's the Heinz 57 variety, <laughs> yes. uh, the mixed breed. but And they tend to fare well health-wise, don't they, the mixed breed dogs? Yes, look, there's a lot to be said for hybrid vigor. That's the genetic term, you know, when you mix gene pools of different, um, from different sources, you create a genetically stronger being well that's basically the theory anyway that Darwin came up with but um, having said that I, I do it, it's interesting because just just with the desert dogs that I see here they all come from different shapes and sizes but they they all seem to struggle a lot with uh, dental disease for some reason I don't know why and also they struggle with skin allergies too but having said there are lots of dogs struggle with skin allergies in Dubai so that may not be you know relevant but uh, if you had to bat the averages, I would say possibly a mixed breed would be less likely to have medical problems. But I don't think that's necessarily true all the time. All the time. You know, it's just like, you know, we want to talk about dog breeds today and medical conditions they may be predisposed to. You know, what I don't want anyone to think is that, oh, if I see this list, I mustn't get that breed. A lot of these problems can happy t- happen to any dog. It's just that statistically there's a higher prevalence when that breed has been statistically analyzed. So it doesn't mean your dog is going to get it because it's of that breed. It just those are things you need to watch out for. And in some cases, if you have the opportunity to like vet the parents of your dog and look at the breeding um, side of it, you can actually try and select animals that have not been bred with those characteristics so let us know your story this morning one if you've got any concerns about your breed of cat or dog uh, also if you've had experience with a certain breed and what their predisposition might have been if you've experienced that let us know on that text number 4001 you know i've got my vizsla shakespeare mm-hmm. what is what's what's a vizsla's predisposition um, apart from being know, extremely loving i actually didn't look that up to be quite honest with you so you've caught me out here um Vizslas, to be fair they're not a very common breed of dog that you don't you don't see a lot of Vizslas. but i do know that they are on the epileptic list mm. and they also have a very uh, sad condition that is becoming more prevalent as the uh, as the breed you know gets more popular and it's um a myositis which is inflammation of the muscles in the, in the jaw and the head and um you know, if you look at the pictures of them, they look look literally like little skulls and all the muscles have wasted away and they struggle to eat, chew, they salivate, they can't swallow. And there's actually, you know, little they can do treatment wise for it. I've seen that actually. Yeah, when yeah. I've researched the breed over the years, as you do, you know, yes, and uh, finding out their little idiosyncrasies, um, I came across that and it's really awful it to awful. see. Very, yeah. very sad. And they, they, they're trying to breed it out, I think, from what I understand, because I think they do believe there's a genetic link. But also, obviously, Vizslas are, you know, hounds and so... So, uh, and they're fairly big dogs. So obviously the, your usual hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, those things you need to watch out for too. So let us know your concerns or your thoughts or the breed of dog or cat that you have on that text number. And uh, just to give a call out to uh, a dog that's in need. Now, if you were listening a few months ago, we did an appeal for Jenga. Now, you may recall that Jenga was a street dog. He was found living on the outskirts of Fujera with his brother and four puppies. Uh, they were living in fairly hostile environment. They were getting a lot of abuse um, and you know they were dehydrated.
exhausted. They were really hungry. Uh, they were being fed and cared for on a regular basis by members of Fajera Animal Rescue. But uh, one day the group noticed that uh, whilst work, the, that was working, the dog was walking on three legs. And uh, it turned out that um, Jenga, as he then became known, needed treatment. And uh, yeah, thanks to Michelle Francis, the rescue in Fajera, Advanced Pet Care Clinic in Dubai, and the benefactor Jeff Simmons for his rescue, treatment and recuperation. Uh, he had been through an awful lot. You can check out Jenga on our uh, Facebook page and on our blog post this morning. You'll see uh, pictures of how he was found. Also, the x-rays uh, of what he went through. Uh, and basically, he'd been shot with a pellet gun and the pellets were lodged in the back of his leg. Anyway, he's been staying with Foster in a foster home. He desperately needs either another foster home because it's really difficult for these carers to keep him. He's a beautiful dog, lovely. He's trusting considering what he's been through. He's a happy dog. He's affectionate. He gets on, he's, they think uh, he gets on great with cats. He's been living with other cats. He's okay with dogs. He's all right with children as well. Um, he's in a good bill of health now. He's had all the vaccinations and everything. So he's just good to go to somebody that can look after him, either temporarily or forever. So if you think you can help Jenga, then uh, send us a text this morning or go to our webpage and you can connect with the people there. Um, this has been brought to our attention by the Middle East Animal Foundation and uh, we've got their details up on our blog post this morning if you can help. Lots of messages coming in. Leslie's saying, um, I've got a great Pekingese. I've had him for 14 years, but became blind um, when he was about eight years of age. Is that normal, Pekingese? Well, you know, Pekingese do, do get a number of, you know, hereditary or genetic eye conditions, as do a lot of dogs. They also are dogs that are a snub-nosed breed as well, so they, their eyes literally are quite protrude they, they protrude well out of their sockets because um the, the sockets are actually a little bit shallower than normal because of the way the skull is shaped so I'm, I'm not quite sure why he went blind you can go blind for a number of reasons it could be something wrong with the cornea something wrong with the lens like a cataract or it can be something wrong with the retina at the back um they are predisposed to glaucoma from what i understand um as well as cataracts and um yeah so i would imagine it's could be any one of those things. They also have funny things to do with their eyelids. Sometimes the eyelids don't close properly over the eye and then you get, you know, exposure to the cornea that can cause blindness. Sometimes they have eyelids that roll in that then damage the cornea too. So, yes, uh, all those little cute snub-nosed breeds, the eyes are definitely an area that you need to keep monitoring and make sure that, you know, the vet knows exactly what's going on with it and if anything needs to be changed, you know, go ahead and change it. Keep your messages coming in on 4001 and you mentioned the eyes there and we've got uh, somebody asking about their cat who's got a problem with their eyes. So we'll get to that when we come back, but we've got to squeeze in our first guess the animal competition. Yes, this is to go into the draw to win a two month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Cannon. So keeper of the clues, Dr. Lucinda. <laughs> okay, clue number one. You have to all get it on the first clue. Today's mystery animal is famously busy. When taking a break from building something, sometimes it poses on toothpastes with a shiny white grin. <laughs> <laughs> if you think you know what this animal is, let us know on 4001 with your name. The Animal House on Dubai Today, in association with Royal Cannon, the trusted expert in nutrition for your cat and dog. 
and I've got Dr. Lucinda here, uh, Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic, Todd Carson, Managing Partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery. He's on his way. He's caught up in that uh, traffic there on the Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed uh, Road. If you can shed any light on that, do let us know on 4001. He's listening because he's already texting the answer to our mystery animal <laughs> competition. Um, but, you know, you're not the only one, Todd. So, uh, yeah, just because you're Canadian, you're being clever there. No, it's because he's Canadian, he says. So there's a bit of an added clue for you. So listen out for the clues to our mystery animal competition to go into the draw to win a two-month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Canin. And uh, just to uh, a question that's come in that came in earlier, actually, Dr. Lucinda, regarding uh, this person's cat. Uh, it's a problem with the eye. It's um, it, it, It's got like a basically saying that there's inflammation but in fact a closer inspection it's like red coming up over part of the eye so almost like whether it would be the cornea would it be the could it be the cornea no it's it's, it's i i imagine it's either the conjunctiva you know the sort of membranes that are under the eyelids and around the eye um also could be the third eyelid you know they have that third eyelid that oh, comes yes. across um, and uh, sometimes, you know, you can get problems with the third eyelid. Sometimes the little gland can prolapse behind the third eyelid. Very, very not common in a cat, but that could be possible. So it, it sounds like there's inflammation there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it needs to be looked at because, you know, we have to see it and run a couple of tests to see exactly what you can and can't do in terms of treatment. And, you know, usually treatment for those kind of conditions is pretty easy and straightforward. But, you you know, I would advise you, you, you take the cat to the vet to have it looked at. Why would that happen? Why might it happen? What, have you been in a fight? Um, or? Oh yeah, well, it could be simple simple thing like being in a fight. Um, it could be that the cat has conjunctivitis or infection or inflammation of the conjunctiva. A lot of cat flu or herpes viruses can do that. Um, as I said, it could be that gland problem behind mm. the third eyelid. Uh, also, it could just be inflammation even if there's damage to the cornea like an ulcer. So, you know, those kind of things need to be ruled out. It's pretty easy to do in a consultation and then, you know, choose the right treatment for it. You just, I, always, I always just don't like taking chances with the eyes. It's better to have them seen than leave them. Because, you know, once you lose sight, you can't come back. <laughs> and that is a possibility, is it? Well, I doubt it if it's just the conjunctiva mm. and the third eyelid. Mm. But, you know, if there's, for example, an ulcer that isn't diagnosed, and if that's not treated, that can cause problems, yeah. Okay, it's always uh, air on the side of With caution. eyes, definitely, yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, somebody here, Rachel, saying, I've got a doorbell dog. Bell goes, and little dog yaps and yaps. I've tried most things. Please help. Oh, wow. This is a question for Sandra. <laughs> our behavioralist that we had last week when she says when you say you've tried most things i mean to me the most obvious thing would be desensitizing the dog to the doorbell so ringing it regularly and completely ignoring the dog so and exhaust the dog with the yapping well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much but but basically not shouting at it not engaging with it in any way not giving it attention so that it knows that, that its behavior is you know, it creates a stir and he's getting attention from, like, you shouting and screaming at it saying, stop barking. If you could ring the doorbell a number of times, you know, not every five, you know, not every five minutes, but try and ring it sort of every 15, 20 minutes through the day. I mean, it'll be a terrible day for you and see if the dog actually realizes, okay, no one's at the door, for example. Nobody's coming to shout at me, as another example. And he might literally just get desensitized and bored by it. That's where I would start. Certainly. So, you know, try that and see what happens. And if this is something that you've experienced, uh, then let us know on 4001 what you've done to get your dog to stop barking when he hears the doorbell. And and we can also, I can certainly ask Sandra too, and we could post up a more detailed response on the website. Yeah, for sure. Because she may have some, you know, other 
other tips tips too. and advice about the yep. yapping doorbell dog if you know let us know and uh, we do post up throughout the week on our website uh, Todd and Lucinda very kindly respond to your comments and your questions so uh, remember to check out the website and to send your questions through that medium as well uh, we're taking a look at cat and dog breeds and their predisposition to certain illnesses now cats can suffer from inherited disorders like other animals you know it can happen uh, similarly with dogs so uh, the Siamese cat they're quite popular as well as the Persian so we'll, I think we'll start with the Persian Dr Lucinda and what are, what's they, they have a predisposition to any illnesses well the, the Persians um, don't forget they are a snub-nosed breed so um, you know they have a very narrow uh, space for all the organs in the head to fit into. So they have uh, little squashed noses. Often their, their, their nostrils are really closed. They, it's called sten- stenosis. So uh, they, they struggle with any kind of upper respiratory infection and they can easily chronically become infected with upper respiratory problems. So you typically see sort of weeping eyes, crusty nose. And, you know, once those infections become ingrained, they're quite difficult to get rid of. But um, having said that, that's sort of any sort of squashed nose cat. It's not specific to, to Persians. Persians, um, the, the main thing that springs to mind with Persians is they, they, they are predisposed to something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a big long word, but basically it just, it's a heart disease where the walls of the heart become thickened. So the chambers in the heart become smaller and it can lead to uh, heart failure and problems like that. So, um, you know, if you can, if you have a Persian cat, you can try and obviously, you know, check the parents to see what they've got with it. But basically, uh, a check up with the vet just to hear the heart, listen to the heart, see if it's got any rhythm problems, are there any murmurs, anything like that. And if you really, really want to be ex- extra careful, you could get a cardiac ultrasound done where they can actually measure the chamber sizes. But having said that, sometimes this only happens later in life. So it's just something to keep in mind with Persians um, that you need to be aware that the heart can be a problem. So, yeah, that's basically what I would say about Persians in general, is the main thing is, is the heart issue. And Siamese, do you have? Yeah, Siameses, um, Siameses uh, they seem to be predisposed uh, to uh, certain types of cancer, which is uh, lymphoma. Um, but having said that, loads of cats are. So I actually think that could just be a useless statistic in my view. Um, they... Uh, uh, I'm having a look at my notes here. In fact, it's interesting. There is a disease that um, is called feline infectious peritonitis, or FIP. Uh, probably a lot of cat lovers know about this disease. And it can affect any cat. And um, a lot of, uh, you know, oriental breeds are specifically susceptible to it. But it's interesting that Siamese seem not to be. So that's probably a positive thing with owning a Siamese. That I would have thought when I was reading that information, I thought, wow. Why is a Siamese missing? And there was actually something in the article that they mentioned that they seem to be less susceptible than all the other oriental breeds. But um, heart conditions can also occur with Siameses too. And um, sometimes we do see uh, neurological problems like epilepsy with them as well. Mm. But um, there isn't anything that uh, that really is a big flag for me with a Siamese cat, other than their incessant meowing. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> but they're very, very affectionate. They so. are very affectionate, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah. You mentioned you know, that, that cats, a lot of cats have... A predisposition towards certain cancers uh, so really you know does it really make a difference knowing in advance you know it could happen to, to any cat almost yeah I, I don't think that that would uh, I certainly would not choose a breed because of that problem you know I really wouldn't uh, I think 
cats in general, you know, are, are, are predisposed just as much as any other animal to cancer. But um, there's certain types of cancer that cats seem to be, be get more than um, other types of cancer, and that's the lymphoma that I mentioned. And some viruses can predispose them to that too. So if you, if you are taking on a cat, you know, um, especially a cat that's already you know, maybe not a kitten and it's fully grown, I would definitely have it checked for feline AIDS and leukemia um, and definitely get it generally checked out by the vet. And we had the show before when we, when, when we tried to understand what are early warning signs for cancer. And it's important, any kind of weight loss change in appetite or breathing pattern, you know, or any kind of lumps and bumps you feel, you need to obviously go and get your, your cat checked at the vet. But I wouldn't use, I would not choose a breed of cat because of, of, of its predisposition to cancer because I don't really think there are any that flag up in that way. Mm, mm. You know, they really aren't. So what would you, th- I mean, I think it's easier with a dog, but with cats, would you look at, you know, what, you know, Persian, Siamese, I mean, what's, how many breeds of cats are there? There's, there's hundreds, but... There's, there's loads. But there's, there's loads of breeds of cats. Um, and uh, the more rarer ones, I think, are where, where the, the gene pool is narrow and you need to be concerned. I mean, Todd and I have two Sphinx cats. And they really are predisposed to that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy that I mentioned in Persians. And, um, you know, the chances of them getting it are quite good. So, uh, you know, Todd and I know that. We keep an eye and watch. But it certainly would, it hasn't stopped me from getting the breed because the advantages that I think that the breed gives to me personally outweigh the disadvantages. But I would say it's more, there's more uh, selectability with dog breeds than there are with cats because uh, a lot of cats are very similar. Mostly breeds, all cats are similar sizes. They're all similar shapes. Maybe the head varies. But with dogs, you get tiny ones and huge ones. And I think that that's why... You get more diseases associated with different breeds and dogs than you do with cats. So I just think if you, if you choose a cat and you know you're getting a snub-nosed cat like a Persian, be aware that it does could have upper respiratory issues. Be, you know, do some research on the Internet. I have to say there's a lot of very good advice on the Internet, and I went through a number of different sites, and they all seem to be pretty consistent. So I don't think there's a lot of misinformation out there uh, in terms of what to look for and um, I would just be aware and choose the cat based on the characteristics that you want from it in terms of what kind of a pet it's going to be. What's the animal? So clue number two to our What's the Animal competition to go into the draw to win a two-month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Cannon. Okay, today's mystery animal is a mammal that can reach a weight of 27 kgs. Wow. It's big. It's a biggie. Really big, yeah. It is indigenous to the U.S. and Canada and prefers to eat leaves, bark, twigs, roots, and aquatic plants. It waddles on land, but it's graceful in the water. Sounds like me. (laughs) Where it uses its rear feet like swimming fins and its paddle-shaped tails like rudders. Do you know what our mystery animal is today? Well, let us know on 4001 with your name to go into the draw. And when we come back, we'll be addressing your question. Lots come in. We'll address them in just a few moments. The Animal House on Dubai Today in association with Royal Cannon, the trusted expert in nutrition for your cat and dog. And we're back, yes. And in fact, Todd Carson's joined us now, managing partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery, along with his lovely wife and business partner, that is Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic. Uh, great to have you back in the studio, Thank Todd. Thank you very much. Can yeah. I just say something about the traffic? You, you know those stories of St. Bernard's that, that, that bound into the Alps to bring you martinis when you're dying of cold? Well, the, the Dubai police have done something very nice. While we were all standing still, there were a bunch of St. Bernard's and they served cold drinks. Oh, fantastic. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. 
For those who don't know, maybe if you've just joined us, we've been talking about it throughout the morning. There's been a big incident on the roads out there just near Global Village uh, heading towards Abu Dhabi bound. But I believe, uh, Todd, you were coming the other way. So it's on both sides of the highway. No, now. no, no, no was, he was coming. You know, I was coming oh, you were. Abu Dhabi, yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, yeah. I was at our own removal, removal facility. So right. I have to come that way to get here. I was a joke about the same. Yes, sure. It yes. It wasn't a great joke. But, so so. <laughs> if you have anything you can shed light on when it comes to the, what's happening out there on the roads then uh, do let us know on 4001 and uh, we're going to get back into conversation in a little while regarding uh, dog breeds and cat breeds that have a certain predisposition to illness or disease uh, lots to talk about there but also as we like to share with you on the animal house some um, Animal news. Animal news. And uh, what caught our attention this week is a man that's been charged after jumping a zoo fence to pet cougars, can you believe? So uh, this is a video showing what happened at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. And they're pressing charges against Joshua Newell, who's 35, after his film clip showed him affectionately meeting with the big cat. We've posted the video up on our blog post for you to have a look at. And uh, interesting. What are you? First off, what are your thoughts when you saw this? I I uh, I don't know if I don't know if uh, when you looked at it, you you looked at the comments uh, from visitors to the web page below. But the, the, at the time that I looked at it, there was only one person who had commented, and I I agree with them. Uh, the you know the, the cats were quite happy to meet the guy, uh, and and you, you uh, look. It's easy to argue that they that he did the wrong thing. Uh, so I'm 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 not going to put that aside. But uh, you know I I think no harm no foul frankly I, I started off thinking how foolish are you that yeah. you would climb over an yeah. enclo- fence in but a they zoo were behind fences, uh, right? no i know but yeah. initially you know it's wild animals what are you doing and as i was saying this to linda my producer i'm going you know what on earth was he thinking i went oh but they are quite sweet oh they, they and they came up and they were yeah. rubbing up against yeah. the fence and up against his hand and yeah. i and, and my then my reaction was oh i kind of get what you're doing but then no 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 these are wild animals yeah yeah i mean yeah, I, I i personally think it's a new kind of stupid right well <laughs> really, yeah, I, because I don't disagree with it's, you, it's yeah. motivated also by the need to post it up on of youtube course, and course, the whole yeah. social media thing that goes on of and course. look at me i got this video yeah. um it's great that the animals were friendly Maybe he knew that. Maybe he didn't. Hmm. But also, you, you also have to keep rules in place at a zoo. You don't. You can't have people jumping fences. So yeah. that, so he absolutely has to be punished because if he's not, we could have a a new crazy trend of jumping fences yeah. to get clips of animals at the zoo. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so you know, yeah, the, I just the, the other news story with the tourists snapping selfies in Yellowstone Park, and this isn't the first time where you've got people in national parks. Mm taking selfies with bears or animals <laughs> behind them and then being attacked by yeah. them. So this, uh, the, the age of the selfie and the I technology. Know. And what amazed me about that story was that after the woman had been attacked and they were passers-by helping or, or, or attending to it, the bison were still just a few meters away and nobody was doing anything to move. <laughs> it is and it is funny yeah it's really very dangerous and it makes you wonder how desensitized we've become and that's exactly what is happening Mm. it's exactly what it is but but, but what contributes a little bit is that we've not only become dangerously desensitized but so have the animals Mm. and so it creates a kind of gray zone you know and a potentially dangerous zone as well because they're not fearful of you anymore that's right because because now you can approach them you get the sense that everything's going to be all right and then something triggers in them and they eat you 
Yes, I mean, you know, <laughs> driving through a, wa- a game reserve in South Africa with mm. your window open, somebody yeah. got well, killed by a lion. There, there was a story about that just a yes. few yes. months ago. Yes, I mean, exactly. I know, when I was a little girl, I went to game reserves, you, you had your windows closed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. of course. So, so there's this idea that the through technology, the world has come into our front rooms, if you like, via the phones and, and the yeah. technical devices. And this... And then there's alongside this almost sense of entitlement of I have to have that picture. I need to get it posted up on social media. Look where I am. Look what I'm doing. And it's maybe meant in absolute innocence and no harm, but not realizing that you are in a dangerous area and you are not immune to danger and threat and to respect the laws that are around you. And I I think a part of it, and this is really moving away from animals, but a part of it is that, you know, social media to, I think, a large extent is experiencing your life only by sharing instead of everything you know things can still be private you know <laughs> and also how, you know you're missing the moment by trying to capture the moment via mm. a, a photo and it's something That's i have true. to be mindful yeah. of you know in that actually i'm about to go on holiday next week is that you Again? don't you don't have to record <laughs> everything yeah. via yeah. your phone it's yeah. like actually live it and breathe yeah. it and yeah. experience it i don't take in pictures real. when i go on yeah. holiday generally i don't you know yeah it's true you're so busy snapping away that you're not in the moment are you yeah mm. yeah there's a lot of people that they're very angry at us right now, you know. They're, they're disagreeing completely. Well, let us know if you are. Please mm. do on 4001. <laughs> but don't take selfies with beers, please. No, <laughs> stay safe. And if you are visiting zoos to adhere to the rules, they're there for a reason. And they are wild animals, even yeah, in l- captivity. L- look, even are. at the kennels, uh, we have very, very carefully defined procedures and routines <laughs> that keep people behaving the way they should because even your friendly little dog can be dangerous if, if, if he's not being handled properly. Mm. So, yeah. Let's take a look at some of the questions coming in and uh, one here saying Two, great session, great show. Thank you very much. Uh, two questions. My dog is a mixed breed, rescued him from the municipality. He's a white fit, furry dog with a body structure of a German shepherd, but looks like a Samoyed. Could you help me understand the breeds that uh, make him up there? And also, um, yellow deposits on the teeth, should I be concerned? He's six years of age. Mm. Yeah, well, first off, yellow deposits on the teeth definitely need to be removed because that's a uh, probably pluck, I would imagine. I can't imagine it's anything else. So, you know, just take him to the vet and get the vet to look at the mouth and see if he needs a, a cleaning. Um, and then, yes, it looks like a German shepherd, but sort of, uh, you know, also could be a Samoyed. The, 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 the truth of the matter is we're never really going to know what exactly, you know, the breed composition of your dog is. But um, I'm sure you know German Shepherds also come in the color white as well. But I suppose you're saying he looks like a Samoyed because he's got the leg structure and the type of fur and probably got a slightly shorter snout because they do than German Shepherds. Um, so I think, uh, I don't know if your dog's a male or a female. Did he, did he say in the question? No. Uh, I think it's a male. It's a male. Okay. Um, well, uh, from, from a genetic point of view, uh, both Samoyeds and German Shepherds are quite predisposed to hip dysplasia. So that is something that you should definitely uh, watch for. Um, watch to see if your dog shows any discomfort with walking, reluctant to climb stairs, sometimes slow when rising, sometimes when he runs, sometimes they bunny hop on their back legs, sometimes their back looks slunken down to the ground. Anything like that, you could probably get x-rays done to see if the, if the hips are okay. Um, furthermore, uh, keeping your dog lean and mean, not too heavy, not too fat is important for all joint problems because he's probably going to be a sort of a a medium large to large dog I would guess and um, making sure that you look after the joints is important Um, behavioral wise 
uh, German Shepherd Samoyed, if, if that is exactly what the, the breed is, you know, c- could be quite um, a challenge because sometimes they are nervous dogs and um, they also fairly territorial dogs, protective dogs. So uh, if you notice anything going on with his behavior, then you should probably get some advice about that. But if he's a happy, healthy waggy tail friendly dog then just totally ignore what I'm saying Um, furthermore uh, Samoyas really have quite thick coats you know they're really fluffy dogs and um, you may want to consider you know keeping that coat short in the summer as well because he probably gets quite hot so, yeah, I hope that helps. It um, ma- mm. might help if it is a German Shepherd cross somewhere, but it won't help if it's a giant poodle cross <laughs> burn it, for example. In, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned the, uh, the hip dysplasia. Uh, that's yes. something that it's we hear a lot problem. about. So mm. what breeds are susceptible to hip dysplasia? Well, having said that, it's important to know that all breeds of dog can get hip dysplasia. So uh, keep that in mind. But large breed dogs, um, traditionally... St. Bernard's, German Shepherds, Rottweilers, Labradors, Golden Retrievers, Newfoundlands, and Samoyeds are the ones that are most predisposed. Um, uh, But as I said, any big breed dog could be potentially predisposed to it. But the thing about hip dysplasia, it is genetically passed along, um, which is why if you're choosing one of those breeds, it would be really great if you can actually get them from parents that are certified hip dysplasia 3 because they're less likely then to pass on some sort of gene to the, the offspring. Yeah. Um, and, and I think to highlight that, particularly when you're buying from breeders to really understand, because a friend of mine, this was years ago in the UK, they bought a pedigree Labrador. And by the time he was two, two, just over two years of age, they could see he had major issues. And the poor dog didn't really live longer than four years of age. Very yeah, distressing, I mean, not it, only it, for the animal, is, but for the family. You know? It is very distressing. Um, you know, you, you, you can uh, diagnose uh, hip dysplasia before the age of two, you know, um, depends on who you speak to but sort of anything from 10 months to a year and a half you can probably safely get an idea on x-rays and there's some surgical procedures that you can do to correct the problem early on Um, and there are also surgical procedures you can do to treat the problem later on obviously those involve big expenses and um, ongoing management Um, but it's it's it is it is a dreadful problem there is is, there's no doubt about it but it doesn't have to be a death sentence it can be managed but you know having said that nobody wants a dog that comes with problems to begin with Mm. but um it is something that you know in other parts of the world unfortunately dubai you know we've discussed supply of puppies here before and other parts of the world registered breeders take hip dysplasia and hip dysplasia scores of the parents very very seriously and so you can do a lot to try and mitigate that but um if you're not knowing where the parents are coming from uh you are you know, you, you need to understand that the probability is there. What's the animal? Clue number three to our What's the Animal competition. I think we should hand over to Todd really? now. So oh, you get to read out this one here? third. Yeah, and but I do it better than you do it. <laughs> just so you know. <coughs> you do everything better. Okay, <laughs> good. As long All as we're right. clear Third about and final clue to our What's the Animal competition. <laughs> okay, now, don't get confused because it's a different voice. This is the third clue. Okay. Today's mystery animal is second only to humans in its ability to manipulate and change its environment. Felling and gnawing trees with its strong teeth and powerful jaws, it creates massive log, branch, and mud structures to block streams and turn fields and forests into the large ponds they love. Its home, called Lodge, can only be reached by underwater entrances. The Animal House on Dubai Today, in association with 
Royal Cannon, the animal before the owner. And Kevin's text in regarding his um, dog and uh, he, white Havanese um, and following a small operation where the site of the injection was shaved, the dog keeps licking the same spot. Is could be a habit. Uh, the turning the fur pink red. We've tried putting on a little lemon juice as a deterrent with limited success. Any suggestions? Hmm. I think I'm, I'm struggling to understand exactly what I think. What he means is. Perhaps if he had a little procedure and he had an anaesthetic, they shaved the leg and that's where they injected him. I'd imagine that's probably what he's yes, talking about. Yes, I would about. think so. Yeah. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, it does happen. Uh, sometimes dogs can get irritated by the actual shaving process. Sometimes dogs can get irritated by the injection itself. Um, I, would, I would really recommend that you let your vet have a look at it just to make sure that everything is fine. But I would imagine instead of le- lemon juice, possibly a topical uh, steroid cream and maybe a couple of days with the cone of shame to stop him from <laughs> licking it so that he gives it some time to heal would probably be the way to go. But because that was probably the site of an intravenous injection, I would rather have it just looked at to mm. make sure that everything's okay. Uh, I always find it interesting when my dog ha- is vaccinated, has the yearly vaccinations, mm. and it, it'll come up in a lump. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. I, I, I hate that. And, um, you know, they're, they're, different, they're different brands of vaccines. Um, you can never really predict which ones are going to react or what is going to happen with what animal. But they are, I, I find sort of anecdotally that there are certain brands that I prefer that are less reaction causing but yeah it, it, it isn't nice at all and um, in fact some cats uh, a vaccine induced cancer is possible with cats too and um, it's, I haven't really seen many in Dubai at all but it's a big thing in the US you know that uh, you can actually cause a cancerous change in the skin of a cat from vaccines wow. so yeah I know so there's um, it's generally recommended to put the, the vaccinations all in different spots so that you know which one is causing reactions and it helps with the treatment of it too but yeah there's not much to be done about that unfortunately Now, Dubai Kennels and Cattery, busy time of year, summer months, uh, lots going on down there. So Mm. we like checking in on your website. We've seen on Facebook the characters, the personalities, and that's not your staff, but the dogs and the cats that are boarding (laughs) with you. (laughs) 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 They're all pretty tired Um, at the moment. So uh, any any particular animal you want to flag up this week that's come through your doors or is boarding with you? We've had baby guinea pigs. Have you? Yes, we just had guinea pigs. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, one of our boarding guinea pigs pigs um came in and she was pregnant and that's right yeah so yeah. We, we we you know we had a whole little so pregnancy watch and, and yeah about that, very course, cute because you, you know they're unbelievable the little, little, little guinea pigs they start eating hay as soon as they're born really yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, completely I mean, we've, self-sufficient we've, 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 got two, we've got 220 animals on site <laughs> wow right it's really enough it's such a lot of animals. it's a menagerie for yeah. sure yeah. lots and of screaming staff? birds uh let's see the ones taking care of animals were at we uh, about 17 or 18 mm. people so, mm. yeah. yeah it's a big operation isn't it actually i've got a guest at the moment on my front lawn a rabbit really <gasps> yeah oh <laughs> wonderful what? and it's lovely but i'm worried about him i mm-hmm. mean you know i don't know i hope i mean he's, he's bearing up he seems to be burrowing down in the in the heat of the day really? and he's out there in the evening you know and he's munching on the grass and i put a bit of lettuce out for him but like you know how can i catch him i'd like to catch him and maybe give him mm. to posh paws or somewhere you know to um I, you you think you think it's a rabbit that's somehow got away from its home i imagine so yeah mm. yeah I'm just i mean it's if you shouldn't just leave it but uh, I, I don't, I don't know. know maybe I don't know. Mm. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe catch it just to get it checked, also see what sex it is and if it's mm. been sterilized or not, well, all of those kind look, of things. Uh, one way to catch it would be to get a, food, a, a, yeah. a cat, cat trap, trap, yeah. cat trap box, you know, and put some food in it. And when they walk in, the door shuts, okay. you know. Oh, that's the thing and, to do. Uh, is, it, does, he, does he run away when you go up? Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, uh, we, we can lend you one. So okay. we can talk about that off air if you want to. Brilliant. Mm. Oh, there you go. We're getting all the solutions this morning <laughs> on the Animal House. And keep your questions coming in on 4001. Uh, one that came in earlier regarding uh, a lady who's got a, a rescue cat and uh, a long-haired cat and she keeps getting ringworm. Oh. So what's the easiest and cheapest way to get rid of it <laughs> once and for all? Well, That's a loaded question. Just, it just sounds interesting <laughs> to me, the, the use of uh, the word keeps. It, it, it seems strange that it's constant and repetitive. Do you think maybe it might be misidentified as ringworm? Mm, maybe, it's possible. But, mm. you know, if you don't treat ringworm, ringworm properly, ringworm, mm. by the way, is not a worm. It's a fungal infection. Um, and it's, you know, if you don't treat the environment correctly or you don't treat it properly in the beginning, it can come back. Also, uh, if your cat is immunosuppressed, so there's something else going on, it also might be more susceptible. But let's assume for a moment that it is ringworm or fungal infection. Um, there isn't actually really any particularly cheap way to do it properly. If it has been confirmed on the diagnosis by the vet, uh, usually done with a culture or sometimes you can confirm it with a, a ultraviolet light. Not always, but sometimes you can. Um, generally, long-haired cats, better to sh- clip them so that the fur is gone. Um, you can bathe them in uh, antifungal shampoo, but also an oral course of antifungal treatment that actually goes on for quite a long amount of time is the best way to get it done. And then when it's finished and supposedly all cleared up, that cat should be checked again and possibly even have its coat cultured again to make sure that it's all gone. Yeah. And you also need to clean the environment. Use a vacuum say, cleaner, yeah. vacuum cleaner. Your Suck up all the really hair issue, yeah. because the spores get yeah. shed on little pieces of skin and little pieces of hair too. So clean yes, the environment, very important. when you touch. And, so, and I think, uh, you know, if there is a repetitive thing here, it could well be that there isn't enough uh, sort of... Uh, after touching uh, hygiene going on because then you're now clean, you know you're handling the animal you're treating the animal but now you're actually taking the, the ringworm and spreading it around so. mm, mm. yeah very frustrating disease but it, it is, is completely yeah. curable and totally benign yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, there's been a big issue with ticks recently oh, uh, there yeah. has been actually. yeah it hasn't uh, it's unusual for the, t- for, for the time of year or no well, I don't think it's unusual I just think that I, you know I've been in Dubai a long time now um, well not as long as you Todd but since 2008 and I've seen uh, quite an increase in the amount of ticks but and go- an increase in the amount of tick-borne disease. Yeah. You know, but for it dogs goes through cycles, eh? it, I mean, it, yes, you know, again, just, just to uh, build on that, I've, I've been here 14 years, been involved with the business for about 13. And uh, I'd say over the years, we've probably had about two or three cycles where we've seen suddenly an unexpected or unpredicted explosion of ticks. And in fact, uh, we've, we're going through one now. We've recently had to take you know, very drastic measures to treat the the kennels in our entire facility because we were seeing uh, ticks coming arri- mm. arriving. Mm. So, and I did at my house. I had to do had to get pest control <coughs> in and do you and to, yeah. yeah. And yeah. actually, since then, it's been all fine. But Good. yeah, it Good. was uh, yeah. just kept just they just kept coming back. Yeah, yeah. yeah very, very very annoying. Very annoying. Very and they seem to be those tiny little ones, the teeny grow, tiny ones. Yeah, and yeah. you can't find them on your dog's coat easily. You yeah. only can find them when they're engorged and they're bigger. Yeah, it yeah. really ticks me off. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that. <laughs> Coming. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 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 well, thanks very much for everyone's messages today, all of you that have sent in your messages. If we didn't get to your message, we will um, 
uh, address them online and uh, do check out our website and Todd and Lucinda will post up their answers uh, later on today. Uh, just to round off when we were talking earlier about the Havanese belonging to Kevin, he says, you know what, somewhat bizarrely also, our Havanese barks, growls at the TV whenever there's a large circular object shown. Example, the world weather globe or recent pictures of pluto <laughs> and often large pictures of people is she just balmy or protecting us I maybe she's maybe maybe <laughs> maybe she's from pluto maybe she's from pluto maybe yeah. she's trying to tell you something yeah. <laughs> I I, I, I think that's cute. Uh, (laughs) And on that note, we will leave you with the answer to our mystery animal competition this morning. And we can tell you, Gillian, congratulations. You get the two-month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Cannon. And the answer was? The beaver. The beaver. Can I just say something to Gillian? I was first. <laughs> he was actually. He texted straight in. I said, I texted back saying, you're clever. And he went, no, just Canadian. Which of course, yes, it's your national animal pretty That's, much, isn't yeah, it? it is actually. Yeah, it it's is. On our coins it is. There you go. And we're brought up being taught by our parents to be busy and work hard like beavers. Fantastic. There you go. You hear it all here on the Animal House. And that's it for now. From uh, Todd and Lucinda, that's Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic at Motor City, along with Todd Carson, managing partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery. Until next week, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. And that's it from me. I'll be back with you tomorrow from 10am. Have a great day.